0: Oh, listen to those loons, Scott! Aren't they the most amazing thing? Caw-caw, caw-caw. Mm-hmm. They don't make that sound. <coughs> sure. Yeah. Quacky loons. I, I know my fowls.
1: Yep. I did. I did get to spend some time with the the local peahen peacock. Oh, did you? Yep. Yeah, he was kicking about the today.
0: There you go. Yeah. Charming fella. Girl. Well, it. Girl. Char- Welcome to Dark Poutine. Uh, I'm Mike Brown, creator and host. With me, as usual, is my good friend co-host and lover of peahens, Scott Hemingway. Hey, everybody. What's not to love about them? Um, They are very henny. That's a bad thing? I I don't know.
1: No, I say not.
0: Dark Poutine is not for the faint of heart or squeamish, especially this episode. As our content contains mature themes, well, and immature themes, (laughs) harsh language and graphic descriptions of violent crimes, listener discretion is strongly advised. We're not experts on any of the topics we present, nor are we professional journalists. We're just two regular Canadians interested in crime and the darker side of history. And the darker side of other things. The moon? Yeah, well, all right. Exactly. Let's get to it. Put on your toque, grab yourself a double-double, and a Nanaimo bar. It's time to scarf down some dark poutine. <laughs>
1: thanks to Ariel for her shared about the origins of Nana Mawar in the Yard.
0: Oh yes. Yes, she uh, she was sharing about, yeah. the how-tos. Correct. Fantastic. Powerful. This is episode 35 and we want to start out by thanking our regular subscribers and welcome our new listeners. Hello and thank you. Hey, this is not a two-parter, so you can if you're starting on this one, you can actually listen through. It. You can listen all the way through. That's right. Uh, we appreciate that you're filling your ears with our dark poutine uh, and perhaps, I don't know, another orifice or two. Mike. Well, your mouth. My, my, that And
1: your nose, because okay, sure, poutine sure, smells sure, very nice. Sure, but you don't fill your nose with poutine. You
0: just fill it with the smell. Okay,
1: no, you got me there. Sure, okay.
0: Yeah, you yeah, there, there you go. After dealing with uh, Andre Chiquitillo for two weeks, oh boy. Yeah. One of Scott's favorite people. He's a he's a charming fellow, charming gentleman. Yeah, yeah. We thought our return to true crime in Canada should be a palate cleanser of sorts. Very much so. That Chickatillo guy was kind of a legitimate monster. I'm I'm a little done with with him.
1: He 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 is the definition of monster.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, that's kind of why I started with him as our away game. Yeah. Uh, also, the fact that the uh, World Cup is being played in Russia right now. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Although, well done. and I just watched a game the other day in Rostov on Don, where he had committed a lot of his crimes. Oh, wow, really?
1: I had no idea the World Cup was happening in
0: Russia. I'm, I'm Scott not, is not a footy fan. No, no. Uh,
1: I could go on to make jokes about it, but I won't because people like it. But I'm just not one of those people.
0: There you go. So we wanted to take on some lighter fare this time. This case is not a murder. It's not a kidnapping or a disappearance. It's the story of a Canadian heist that's kind of a bummer. Yes. Yes. Like a real bummer. Totes bummer. Real real kick in the rear of this case. On February 6th, 2015, a man named Leston Lawrence walked into the Royal Bank of Canada's branch in the Westgate Mall in Ottawa, Ontario. He chatted with Melina Lunn, a teller. He asked Melina to cash two checks made out to him from Ottawa gold buyers. <coughs> And this is a business in the same mall. Ottawa Gold Buyers purchases gold jewelry, coins, and bullion from people looking to make a buck from precious metal they have on hand. Absolutely. I've I've never hawked gold, but I I do know of these stores. Carol has hawked some of her gold that she received uh, when she was in Saudi Arabia, and we got a pretty penny for it. Sweet. It all went to paying down uh, credit at the (laughs) time. So it was kind of a drag. Yeah, well, yeah. But
1: but beneficial.
0: Yeah. Leston didn't have an account at the branch that he went into. His branch was in Nipian, a suburb nearby. Being a Royal Bank customer, Melina was happy to help. Very awesome of her. Yeah, thank you, Melina. Great customer service. These checks were much larger than the usual two or $300 checks that the bank usually saw from uh, Ottawa gold buyers. Hmm. One was for $7,992.27. Mm. And the other was for $7,269.63. It's a good chunk of change. I could buy some more cameras and lenses with that. You absolutely could. Leston told the teller he wanted to send the entire amount via wire transfer to a contracting company in Jamaica called MJC Master Builders Limited. To expedite the transfer, Leston handed Molina a receipt he had for another wire transfer. All the information Molina would need was right there.
1: Okay, all right, all right.
0: The receipt, however, was from just two days prior for exactly the same amount. Okay, that's uh, getting interesting here. He's a lot so, of, must be exchanging a lot of gold. Yeah, that's thirty thousand dollars worth of gold in a few days. In a few days.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm assuming that's just not a necklace and earrings.
0: No, Melina asked Lawrence what he'd sold at, at Ottawa Gold Buyers. There we go. Of yeah. course, she's going to ask that. Just curious, right? Well, absolutely, doing her her due diligence in her role as well. Yeah. He said, gold nuggets. But as soon as he said the words, he started to look nervous. Uh Oh, I guess maybe he's a panhandler, Mike. Melina continued processing the transactions, but kept an eye on her customer, who was looking more and more agitated by the moment.
1: Yeah, nothing makes a situation more
0: suspicious than somebody kind of uh, being being antsy. Antsy, lots of money. Yeah. And antsiness do not go hand in hand no, typically, in a bank. Typically not. It
1: is typically Nick, you're you're showing I don't usually do this. I'm not used to money.
0: Yeah. Melina asked why Leston wanted to transfer the same amount only two days later. She thought perhaps the earlier one had failed. That's a safe assumption on there. This is good I like Melina. Melania. Yeah. Leston said no, it had gone through. He then said the money was for helping his parents to rebuild their house in Jamaica. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's a good explanation. Nice guy. Yeah.
1: Panhandling in the mountains for gold and then sending the, sure. the, the the benefits.
0: $30,000. To the family. Yeah. In Jamaica. That's yeah. very, very kind. In the gold hills of Ottawa. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's rich,
0: rich, rich veins of gold up there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure. Maybe some of the older senators' teeths in the upper house might have gold in their fillings. Oh, Mount Ottawa, right? It's okay. very famous for its its gold. Parliament Hill. <laughs> sure.
1: Have you ever been to Ottawa? No, I've no, been to either. Calgary, Winnipeg, Edmonton,
0: and Vegas and New Jersey. I will have. I will be able to say I will have been in. Ottawa very soon. As the wire transfer was for an amount that Melina was not authorized for, she needed a supervisor's help. You got protocols. Yep. Leston Lawrence looked frustrated, and he was in a hurry to leave. Mm -hmm. Melina's supervisor helped her with the transfer. She handed the receipt for the wire transfer to Leston Lawrence, and he left the branch quickly. Oh. So there you go. He's gone. Something strange that Melina Lund had noticed while she was dealing with Leston Lawrence's account that day. According to his records, he worked for the Royal Canadian Mint. Oh, plot twist. Yeah. The Royal Canadian Mint is a crown corporation responsible for the minting of Canadian coins, the change in your pocket, loonies, toonies, quarters, dimes, and nickels. hmm And they also make coins for other countries and fancy collector coins and things like that.
1: Oh, okay. I From, didn't
0: know they made coins for other countries. That's absolutely, a, that's they do. Yeah. Like, uh, I believe, Bermuda and places like that. Um, Of course. From Wikipedia, the Mint produces all Canada's circulation coins and manufactures circulation coins on behalf of other nations. The Mint also designs and manufactures precious and base metal collector coins, gold, silver, palladium, and platinum bullion coins, metals, as well as medallions and tokens. It further offers gold and silver for refinery, and assay services. I so, do not know what assay is. Well, they assay your precious metals to determine what purity they are and gotcha. what they're worth. Oh, okay. What are, just a coincidence that he works there. Having a mint employee moving so much cash connected to private gold sales was definitely a red flag not lost on Melina Lunn and her supervisor. The RCMP were contacted that afternoon and told about Leston Lawrence and his multiple transactions and his odd behavior at the bank. RCMP began surveillance of Leston Lawrence right away. Wow, they're messing
1: around with gold, aren't they?
0: Well, it is the Canadian Mint, after all. Yeah, yeah. On March 9, 2015, RCMP undercover operatives saw Leston Lawrence going into Ottawa Gold Buyers' offices in the Westgate Mall. He left 10 to 15 minutes later. RCMP entered the business a short time later and identified themselves hi i i think the conversation probably went (laughs) hello a gentleman was just in here what did he do yep leston had just sold a 24 carat gold puck for seven thousand nine hundred (laughs) and sixty six dollars and twenty seven cents police seized the puck along with a copy of the invoice for the transaction that had just taken place between ottawa gold buyers and leston lawrence This indicated Leston Lawrence had sold a gold nugget weighing 219.72 grams. That's about seven and a half ounces Mm. of nearly pure gold. And he got, for that, $7,586.93. And they even threw in a 5% customer satisfaction bonus. He was a good customer. After all, he'd been bringing them gold for quite some time. Oh, okay. Well, I get you. The police seized Ottawa Gold Buyers' records of all of Lawrence's other dealings with them. Hmm. Between November of 2014 and March of 2015, records showed that on 18 different occasions, Lester Lawrence had sold a total of nearly four kilograms of gold. Wow. To the Ottawa Gold Buyers for $132,172.46. Oh, that's a good chunk of change. That is a pretty darn good chunk of change. Yeah. Uh, Leston had also sold gold coins and wafers to Ottawa gold buyers in the same period for another total of $13,563.87. So he's getting close to 150 Gs. Uh, yep, pretty darn close. Yeah. Police obtained a search warrant for a safety deposit box that Leston Lawrence had at his home RBC branch in Nepean. There, they found four more gold pucks matching the other they'd seized from Ottawa gold buyers, hmm. all the same size. Mm-hmm. The pucks were tested and proved to be 99.5% pure, and having been subjected to the same chemical refinement process that took place at the Royal Canadian Mint. Oh, interesting that they get narrow, they can... Absolutely. Ascertain that. It's chemistry. You mean voodoo. This brought the total value of the pucks to one hundred sixty-five thousand four hundred fifty-one dollars and fourteen cents. Hmm. hmm. And, and converted to American, that's thirty-two dollars. That's about thirty-five bucks. Yeah. No, it's probably like what one one thirty American. Yeah, depending on the exchange rate, it'd be about yeah one thirty to. Yeah. Could even be as
1: high as one fifty, but
0: well, not lately. Right. The police seized a dip ladle from the Royal Canadian Mint, and it fit the five pucks perfectly. Much like the rifling in a bullet, the ridges on the pucks also matched the custom ladles. Oh, oh, interesting. Right? Very right. It's fascinating. Leston Lawrence had been in possession of almost five kilos of gold in total, a whopping sum for any private citizen. Yeah, I would have bet. So five kilograms of gold is about, like, 12 pounds? That's a lot of gold.
1: It, it, it might not be gigantic in, in size,
0: but that's a lot of gold. That's, a, yeah. Well, clearly it's, you know, over 150K. Yes. The mint is known for its high security at both facilities in Ottawa and in Winnipeg. At the time, each facility had an armed security force responsible for access control, monitoring video surveillance inside and outside the facility, inspections of employees and outgoing garbage for gold via walkthrough metal detectors and hand wands, mm-hmm. escorts to the more secure parts of the facility, and monitoring shipments in and out of the Royal Canadian Mint, or RCM for short. Yeah, I would envision them to have this kind of security in there. For sure. If Leston Lawrence was smuggling gold out of the mint, why hadn't it been detected before now?
1: Hmm. Maybe he's innocent, Mike. Maybe he
0: is. Maybe this is all just a coincidence. It absolutely could be. Leston Lawrence started working at the Royal Canadian Mint at 320 Sussex Drive in Ottawa in 2008. The mint building, declared a National Heritage Site in 1979, looks like a castle surrounded by a 10 foot high spike topped black wrought iron fence. Hmm. essentially this is canada's answer to the fabled fort knox in kentucky yeah yeah what a mysterious place yeah the first coins were stamped out at the mint in 1908 oh wow three years later they began refining gold as well and are world renowned today for their efficiency and accuracy in their processes it would actually be a pretty neat place to work i think so too you might have to have some designations or something though like mister like math yeah yeah at least grade 10. Fuck. <laughs> I, I could, like... You could fake it. I could fake it. Sure. Yeah, exactly. When
1: they, when they ask me to do a basic equation, I'll, like, fake a heart attack or something.
0: Sure. The Mint has won many awards for design and beauty of their collector coins, and they minted the medals for the 2010 Olympics here in Vancouver. Which, wow, what a great time that was. And they were pretty-looking medals, too. I agree. The mint buys the gold they refine from three different sources. The first source is semi-refined ore from gold mines, which is usually about 40 and 60% gold. Okay. The second source of gold for the mint is companies selling industrial gold scrap like leftover gold from jewelry manufacturing and manufacturers of medical machinery like MRIs and stuff like that. As well, remnants of gold sheets from coins that have been punched out. Finally, and most ironically, the third source is old jewelry and gold bullion coins, small bars and wafers from small businesses like Ottawa gold buyers, (laughs) who buy from private citizens like Leston Lawrence.
1: So interesting, they were buying gold from the Royal Canadian Mint to then sell back to the Royal Canadian Mint.
0: Well, we don't know that for sure. Maybe his parents have a gold mine in Jamaica. We'll go through the investigation. Sure. sure. When Lawrence worked at the Mint as an operator and refiner, the process for gold refinement was roughly as follows. It's yeah. not super scientific. Get gold, refine gold. Essentially, really, yeah. I left out a lot of the very confusing different chemicals and things that they <laughs> use because I thought, would I want to listen to a podcast about that? No. Oh, I'm sure there's like seven people who would love it. Seven. Yeah. Worldwide. Worldwide. And yes. they currently work uh, They the refiners. At a mint. Yeah. The gold comes into the mint and is weighed against the manifest from the seller. So does it weigh the same as they say it does? Yes. Uh, if the weights match up within an ounce, the gold was put into un- unsecured buckets on the floor of the refinery. The gold from the buckets was then dumped into a furnace, and once melted, a small amount is dipped out with a ladle and cooled for purity testing, determining what is owed to the gold seller. Mm. Okay. And this only has to be a very, very small amount. Mm -hmm. And after that, they put that gold back into the furnace again. I would imagine so. After that, the refinement process continues. More melting, more refining. (laughs) Once the refiner feels the gold has reached a purity of 99.5%, another ladle dip is done. And this is called a large dip. Of course. Of course. La- be a good old large dip. And these are the ladles that matched mm. the pucks. Mm. This time, the sample commonly referred to as a puck is between five and six, sometimes seven ounces of near pure gold. Okay. The puck is tested in an XRF machine to ensure 99.5% purity, which, if not yet achieved, refinement continues. That's how I test all my pucks, only with XRF machines. Well, an XRF machine, Scott, is called X-ray fluorescence technology. You you don't have to tell me. It's a non-destructive way. To test the purity of metals and elements from simple sodium all the way to uranium.
1: Well, oh, that's exactly why I only use that machine, Mike. It's non destructive.
0: I'm so glad.
1: Yeah, it's like it's, it's, this with tech, current technologies. Why use destructive? Yeah. I mean, geez. I, I gotcha. Okay, I'm just like I'm
0: passionate about it. I can detect yeah. your passion about this particular subject. I don't, I don't goof around with XRF. These pucks are not marked as they're meant to go directly back into the furnace in the same batch and remelted. Mm. Once the purity of 99.5% is reached, the molten gold is poured into forms, creating 110 to 120 ounce anodes. And they are taken on to the next stage that brings the gold purity up to 99.99% purity. It's a lot of percents. It is a lot of percents, like ivory soap. Yeah, I don't get that right. Remember that commercial? No. It was 99.9% pure or something? The, the soap was gold? Mm, cool. I think the wash was Great. That worked gold. out well. Often, two people would be on the refinery floor during the process, but sometimes Leston Lawrence was left alone. When he worked as a refiner, part of his job was to test the pucks. And the pucks are these little chunks of gold shaped like, surprise, hockey pucks. It is Canada, after all. And it's about one inch across and three quarters of an inch high. Well, that's much smaller than I was picturing. Very tiny. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're, probably about... Just a little smaller than a golf ball. But I guess it's their purity that really makes them quite valuable. That's correct. But yeah, like think of that. Just just about the size It was like a thicker almost a golf ball. Yeah, I was gonna say like a, a much thicker loony. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Initial testing of the gold from the sellers is not 100% accurate, and the recipe was 8,000 ounces of 70% pure gold would make approximately 5,500 ounces of pure gold. Hmm. The pucks used for testing in the second part of the process would present 0.1% of this number, which due to inaccuracy of the first round of testing might be Mm -hmm. expected to be lost during processing. So that's why the mint didn't know why it was going missing because- It's a
1: tolerable variance. Yes,
0: exactly. Wow. Scott just did, like, math.
1: I'm not as dumb as I think I am. You said that. Did
0: I? Maybe I am. So this is why the gold was going missing. Hmm.
1: Makes sense.
0: Due to the machinery and other structures in the refinery room, the security cameras did not cover every single angle in the room when Hmm. Leston worked there or anybody else for that matter, hmm. it was expected for him to momentarily disappear from camera at various points in his workflow. Oh, okay. Also, when removing a puck from the XRF machine and placing it back into the furnace, all anybody would have to do is turn their back to the camera to be unseen and slip a puck into the pocket of your work clothes. Yeah, okay. Okay. The RCM is divided into two sides. One, where the work of the precious metal refinement and coin creation happens, is considered the secure side. Sure. Kind of like a prison in a way. There are processes and measures in place to ensure that gold and other precious items stay on the secure side where they're supposed to be. Unless checked and rechecked by security personnel. Yeah, makes sense. Processes for the employees leaving the secure side are meticulous and aim to maintain the highest level of security. For sure, you're working in a mint. Before leaving the secure side, mint employees must shower. Oh, interesting. A special drainage mechanism under the shower system catches any precious metal dust that may be on their skin. Wow. Yeah, so it's very precise. Wow.
1: And it must be a very clean work environment.
0: One would hope. Well, I mean, all the showering. Yeah, you can't say, Yeah, my, my coworker hasn't had a shower in a week. That <laughs> nope. that would mean he hasn't left for home. <laughs> they change into their street clothes and their work clothing is put into special laundry hampers. They must change into other footwear that was not exposed to the refinery floor and metal dust.
1: Huh. I like, I genuinely am curious as to what amount, what quantity uh, of precious metals have they retrieved back via that method, via dust and whatnot. Like.
0: That's a great question that you should go on a tour to the Mint and ask. Well,
1: I'm asking you. I thought you were the expert.
0: I'm not a... F- I say it at the beginning of the show. I'm not an expert in any of the topics we present. Mm, yeah, you do kind of say that. I do. I should stop trusting you. Well, you never did trust me to begin with. This is a good point. This is a good point. The exit from the secure side is through a very sensitive metal detector archway that looks much like the ones you see at the airport before mm-hmm. you, you fly when you go through security there. Makes sense, yep. There's also an x ray machine for your personal belongings. It's also, like the airport, they just scan your wallet and your keys and yep. stuff like that. Yep. Uh, your shoes. Yep. We'll before you leave them. Yeah, before you leave <laughs> your shoes. Break the machine. <laughs> If someone steps through the archway and set off the alarm, typically they would be scanned using the handheld metal detection wands. Okay. Just like the ones you see going into a rock concert now. Yeah, makes sense. Totally. If metal was detected with the wand and determined accidental, the employee was allowed to leave. And by the way, I love that
1: you specified a rock concert, Mike. (laughs) That's showing your age.
0: A a hippity hop concert? You could
1: have just said a
0: concert. An EDM? event sure if you're going to see dead mal 5 they're probably
1: scanning you
0: dead mal 5 dead mal 5 yeah well he well drives done, a, old man he drives a funky nyan cat ferrari I know. through toronto <laughs> i know anyway if no metal was detected by the wand it was considered a false positive by overly sensitive machines and the employee was allowed to leave sure A detailed record was kept of how many times particular people would set off the metal detectors. Less than Lawrence, it turns out, had set off the metal detectors more than any employee without a metal implant of some kind. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Indeed. According to court documents, he set off archway detectors other than, in a random fail, 28 times on 18 of the 41 days he worked, on the secure side, between December 15th, 2014, and March 15th, 2015, the date he stopped working at the Mint.
1: Hmm.
0: That's a good chunk of time. RCMP watched hours of video of Leston Lawrence walking through the metal detectors and failing. <laughs> Not once did they see any accidental metal brought through. Hmm. So he would go through, fail, he'd get wanted by the security guard, the security guard would say, go ahead, can't Nothing. find anything. Yep. Yep. He would just walk off, go home. Hmm. Interesting. On March 12th, 2015, RCMP issued a search warrant for Leston Lawrence's locker on the secure side of the Mint. Okay, let's see what they found. Wonder is. why. Among various expected personal items, police found two interesting things. What would they be? One was a pair of latex gloves. Uh, uh sure. Okay. And the other... Was a jar of Vaseline.
1: Well, maybe may like he needed them
0: for medical reasons. Well, he claimed sure. the Vaseline was for burns. I'm convinced. And well, he works around molten metal, right? Exactly. However, uh, there was no instances at all ever of anybody using Vaseline on a burn at the mint. Whoa. Well, he's just
1: he's preparing. In the hypotheticals. Just in case.
0: Exactly. Possible <laughs> outcomes. From this, the RCMP determined that Leston Lawrence had secreted at least 22 pucks of nearly pure gold out of the Royal Mint inside his rectum. Wait a minute. That's right. Wait a minute. Up his bum. All up in his business.
1: Well, if this is, if it's true, I mean, he kind of
0: earned the gold. Again, from court records, he clearly had the opportunity. The security cameras at the Mint would not have detected him putting a puck in his pocket after taking a sample from the cauldron. He often worked alone. There were no cameras in the locker room in the secure area. His locker contained Vaseline and latex gloves, which could have been used to insert a puck into his rectum. Mm Mm-hmm. A puck so inserted would not have been detected by the hand wands which were used after the archway alarm was set off.
1: Well this is this is good to know.
0: Yeah, because those wands will not detect metal inside the body. I did not know this. Well, now you do. Uh, now I do, see? I- and so now does the mint and the RCMP. <laughs> and Leston Lawrence goes boo hoo. <laughs> I I bet. It was believed that the other corns and... Yeah. And corns? It was believed that the other coins and wafers had also been stolen. <laughs> corns and wafers? Corns. I did say corns. And wafers. Leston Lawrence was fired from the Royal Canadian Mint on March 19th, 2015. So this is a fresh...
1: A fresh Oh, well,
0: uh, No, pretty fresh. Oh, yeah. A couple of years. On January 25th, 2017... Leston Lawrence was found guilty of having stolen nearly $190,000 worth of gold from the Royal Canadian Mint. Ah, jeez, that's a lot of ass pucks. (laughs) That's a lot of precious metal to shove through your uh, leather Cheerios. Jesus, right? (laughs) Jeez. The old turd cutter is getting a good workout.
1: (laughs) Turd cutter? Mm -hmm. I mean, that technically... It does do that.
0: The Hershey Highway. Yeah. Let's,
1: let's keep it going.
0: I know. I told you there was this one was going to be immature. <laughs> Poop. <laughs> lots. Probably lots of it. Yeah. It, I, I wonder if he had the smell of victory about him. Ayo.
1: Well, we've learned a lot about the refining process, but I'd also love to learn a lot about the post refining cleaning process.
0: Yeah. Well, um, probably just a tap. Yeah. Use a tap to wash it off.
1: But would you put like a strainer over
0: the toilet and then poop on that? Well, oh, I don't think... Yeah. How did he get it out? That's what I'm saying. Because it... Because he's, he's never... He's never admitted to this. Really?
1: No. Because it, it, he clearly... Like, it's up there. It's, it, not, it's, it's not like, like, like literally
0: up there. It's not teetering on the edge. <laughs> no, it's like up there. Yes.
1: So, I mean, you know... Hmm. Yeah, Maybe it was digital manipulation
0: or, well, you know, he could no, have... I'm pretty sure it would have been analog. He could have squeezed tight. Okay, guess you're going to have to conduct some research, Mike. Well, I did. Oh. Just so you know. <laughs> no, no, I didn't oh, do boy. any... No, it was no actual... I didn't do testing. Oh. Well, that, like, okay. there was no physical testing. Well, so then you're guessing. Okay. I'm no, sure. no, I was... I actually have spoken to individuals previously who... You'll see as we go. Previously. Oh, okay. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Among other things, uh, Leston had used his ill-gotten gains to purchase a boat in Florida and this house in Jamaica. He claimed it was for his parents, it was actually for himself. Hmm. The Crown wanted jail time and a $190,000 fine slapped onto Lawrence. And they wanted, like, 30 months worth of jail time. Oh, wow. From a CBC article on the case, Crown Attorney David Friesen told court in Ottawa that Lawrence should be given a three-year prison sentence arguing that theft of gold and breach of trust are serious offenses. Even though this was his first offense and he'd never been busted doing anything else. Yeah, but I'm sure they the, they want to set precedence. They want to give him a good spanking. Yeah. He abused the trust placed in him as a refiner to benefit himself. Motivations for the offenses was greed, Friesen said. He added that the offenses took place over several months and were not simply a Mm one-off. He also said that Leston had made no demonstration of remorse. Leston's lawyer argued for 18 months and no fine, doing some victim-blaming, stating that the Mint made it too easy for Leston to just walk out with the gold. Oh, the Mint shouldn't have wore that dress. Exactly. Jesus Christ. They. It was the heels that, Mm, you know. Yeah, God, I hate
1: victim blaming.
0: On February 2nd, the judge made his ruling as to the sentence for Leston Lawrence. The Crown got what it wanted. As well as the $190,000 fine, Leston Lawrence, a man with zero priors, was sentenced to 30 months in jail. Heavy, but good. From sentencing documents... Considering all of the circumstances and taking into account the totality of sentences, I conclude that an appropriate term of incarceration for Mr. Lawrence is two years, six months, 30 months, for each of the three offenses which he is being convicted to be served concurrently. A penitentiary sentence is required to express the denunciation required for a significant breach of trust of this sort that message is sent with a 30-month sentence. Similarly, a 30-month sentence will serve as adequate general deterrence in the circumstances of this case. Sure. And the Judge, sign the document. Yep. The judge's name.
1: Oh, is this? Let me know.
0: P.K. Duty. You gotta be shitting. I me. am not shitting you. <laughs> Duty. Yes, Judge Doody. Duty. Duty. Adjud- Judge Duty adjudicated you? the case of the man with the gold up his ass. Are
1: you making this whole thing? I up? am
0: not making this up. You can see this all you like. I have links, links, links What's to you? the official court documents. Your Honor, Duty. Justice duty, justice duty. Yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, how appropriate, though. I, I wonder if he was assigned to the case just because you know it was like maybe it wasn't his turn, but uh, some of the higher ups thought I think justice duty should look at this case. You know what? Like that's something that I would do. And me too. Yeah, which is why I suggested. Yeah, and and would
1: be chuckling about it for years. Absolutely.
0: Hey, you know that case with the guy with the gold <laughs> up his ass? Doody. I, I, I put Judge Duty on it.
1: <laughs> you know why? You know why?
0: Why? Because there was poop on the on the gold. <laughs> there was poo on the gold. It was poopy gold. <laughs> Outside the courthouse, Leston Lawrence's lawyer spoke. What do you think about
2: the decision today? Um, you can see from this judge's sentencing decision and from his decision in the trial itself that he's very careful, very meticulous. There was a lot of detail in the decision today.
1: And how was your client doing? Obviously, the judge was talking there that this has been a very public
2: I think he's he's dealt with that very well. We expected it all along. When we were doing the trial, when, when no one showed up for the first week and we were sort of under the radar, that was very, very surprising. So when it finally did happen, it wasn't a surprise to him. Um, this judge, when you look at both his decision on the case and on the, the sentencing as well, it's difficult to quibble with anything he had to say. He didn't accept our argument on the trial, um, but that's what we pay him to do, is to make those decisions.
1: What's Gary the, plan to, pay the, what's the your plan, plan, plan to pay the money, pay money back? Money. I mean, this is $190,000, $20,000, from the, uh, you know, that that's how much cash there will be from the sale of the house once it closes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what's the plan? Because there is a time limit, and if it doesn't get paid back, he has to go back in jail.
2: That's right. Um, the clock doesn't start running on that until the end of his sentence, which doesn't mean when he gets out, it means the actual end of the, the 30 months. He then has three years in which to pay it. And if he doesn't, he's going to end up serving another 30 months. It's a pretty good incentive to do everything you can to pay it.
0: Working with the... CATSA, the Canadian Air Transport Security Authority, the Royal Canadian Mint have since plugged the holes in their security with some upgrades. I see what you did there. Uh, Or have they? Earlier this year, April 2018, the Mint fired another employee suspected of having stolen $110,000 worth, two kilograms of gold from their facility.
1: Wait a minute.
0: Unsure if this was another golden butt bandit at this point. (laughs) Uh, They refused to comment further as police are still investigating and charges are pending. Yeah, so for years, here's my research. Okay. (laughs) For years, people have been smuggling things inside their rectums. True, we've all watched prison shows. Right, or Jackass, where the guy put the the car, the toy car up his bum and then went head x-rays. Never seen Jackass. It was good. Yeah. If you like that kind of thing. I do, but I haven't seen it. And typically, the places that people would be smuggling these things would be in Scott's favorite place, uh, the Clink. (laughs) Or they'd be hiding suspected contraband while crossing borders. Okay. Yeah, clearly. Some ex-cons I had the privilege of conversing with told me that here in Canada, at least, this method of secreting something up your back passage is called suitcasing or keystering. (laughs) You can probably figure out why. For example, an exchange between two prisoners might go something like this. Scott's going to play Prisoner 2. Oh, I get to act. Get ready, everybody. I'm, I'm Prisoner 1. Hey, man. Want to go smoke some of my weed in the yard today? Uh, where'd you get that? I bought it off Fat Tony. He suitcased it when he came in last week for taking off the heads of parking meters. No, thank you. I don't want any of your Fat Tony rusted
1: balloon knotweed. You're lost, man. No.
0: (laughs) Well, you see, that's how it'll go. I'm putting that in my IMDb. It's got to be. Yeah, Scott's an actor now. Yeah. Uh, as well as drugs and crossing borders and going into prisons, people have used uh, their stink winker to uh, smuggle all kinds of crazy things, <laughs> including money, cell phones, and even a thirty-eight caliber pistol.
1: Yeah, I just don't get it. Like, I don't like how the fuck that's huge. Correct. I could not imagine having a thirty-eight caliber weapon. Maybe it in was my heinie. Maybe it was a snub nose. It doesn't. I don't care what kind of nose it had. <laughs> it's too large for my rump. Like, seriously, how can any human put a cell phone in their ass?
0: I, You're asking the wrong guy.
1: <sighs> if any of you out there listening have had a cell phone in your ass, please chime in
0: yeah feel free to uh to send us email or just come on to the umber yard yep, and yep. talk to us about your experiences with keystering large objects yeah i mean there's
1: no judgment but
0: we will laugh well but
1: with you not at you yeah i it's i'm i do not you know, like a, a weapon isn't really tapered i i'm thinking logistics mike
0: like hand grenade oh, please don't tell
1: me somebody's had a hang, hand grenade. Up. Yes.
0: I mean, we all know. I have, I I did a lot of research for this episode and I did see a lot of odd things.
1: I mean, we all know about Richard Gere and his gerbil, but I don't think he was smuggling it.
0: Right. No, I think that was a, that was more for pleasure. Yeah. 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 Well, Uh, maybe not for the gerbil.
1: My God. Any Okay, well, I mean, I guess desperate times call for desperate measures. Desperate
0: measures. If you want a boat in Florida and a house in uh, Jamaica, put some, uh, put some gold up your chocolate starfish. You know, for the, when you pose it like that, like a house in Jamaica and a boat. Just
1: saying. Just saying.
0: Just saying. Just saying. That's a, Have you ever had the urge to do anything like that, Scott? To smuggle poop bucks? Yeah, or, yeah, I don't know, to
1: keister anything. Uh, well, there was that one time
0: with, uh... I didn't think there was actually going to be a story. <laughs> well, I'm, you can go on. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to stop you. I, I, I had to shift gears somehow. That's not true. That can't be a real of thing. Of course it's not true. Oh, thank no. God. Because I've driven your car. I don't want to
1: uh-huh. put your
0: hand on that. Uh-huh. No, I've, I, uh... No.
1: Ugh. I mean, I've inserted the gerbil for
0: Richard Gear, but
1: anyways, yeah, no.
0: You know Richard Gere? Do I ever? <laughs> Inside <laughs> and out, apparently. He's the geariest.
1: This is a good one. This, well, you know, once again, it depends on, not good for the pucks.
0: Not good for the pucks. No, not good for the pucks. I think good for the, for the listeners, though.
1: Well, if you can't get a chuckle a out of poo pucks, you're broken. Yeah, you're broken. You're busted. Good, but seriously though, like that—that's—he uh, made out with some good cash. That's a good chunk of change, I guess. Houses in Jamaica, though, are like far cheaper than they houses are. They are. In, in the lower yep. mainland. Yep, like $190,000 will get you a parking spot, and it's not even a joke.
0: No, in Vancouver. Well, before we go, we want to thank our some of our patrons, uh, our newest patrons. Uh, thank you to Denise Sakaki. Thank you, Denise. Uh, she's from Duval, Washington. Oh, cool. Yeah, I like, uh, I like Washington. Yeah, same. Uh, thank you to Cassie, uh, a.k.a. Catherine, who's, uh, also from Washington State, Lakewood. Lost to Washington. Tracy London. Oh. She is from Poco. Hey, thanks, Tracy. And for those of you not from the Lower Mainland, that is Port Coquitlam. Yep. It's uh, one of our neighbors. Also home of Robert William Pickton. Hmm. I don't think he'll ever be back there. No, he's, he resides in a different location now. And another one is from Teresa Cochran. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thanks, Teresa. And she's from Mcchesney Park (laughs) in Illinois. I initially mispronounced it. You did. It
1: happens. Welcome. Welcome, Teresa.
0: Yeah. Welcome to the, uh patreon anywho that is it for this week stick around for the apre show we have some interesting things to talk about as usual as usual for our five dollar plus patrons you got to check it out though guys
1: seriously you gotta like we we really we really have some fun in the after shows it's pretty much
0: just uh it's just it's banter there's not as much so don't missell it because there's not as much research. So if you're thinking, oh no, not at all, like Generation Y and those guys do fantastically researched extra episodes as as their as their Patreon. Oh stuff. no, this is
1: this is all free. We're just Freeform. being
0: goofballs. Yeah,
1: this is just us riffing, uh, riffing, uh, riffin', and yeah. uh, so we really have a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun doing them. Well, Scott has a lot of fun because it's pretty much me talking. So if you like me, then. Pay the five bucks. You'll get more of me. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I should. We're going to see a big drop I think, in I Patreon. I think I'm actually going to
0: cancel my subscription. <laughs>
1: yeah, I was just going to say, we're going to get a substantial decrease in Patreon with,
0: uh, subscribers now. There you go. So, don't forget to be a good egg and not a bad apple. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.